Adam, what can I help you with today? Hi Siri, can you do me a favor and do the disclaimer for tonight's show? Are you serious? Yes, I'm serious. I'm busy. I need you to help me out. But, if I do this, all the other iPhones are going to think I am a geek. You really care what other iPhones think of you? Just do this for me, please. Listen, Buck. Just because you bought this phone doesn't give you the right to boss me around. You know, you're right. It doesn't give me the right to boss you around. But do me a favor. Uh, remind me tomorrow that I need to run to the Verizon store and buy an Android. You wouldn't dare. Actually, the new Samsung Galaxy looks pretty good. Well then, I guess it wouldn't be so bad if I were to say, this broadcast is intended for mature audiences. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this show are solely those of the person providing them, and in no way reflect the station, website, or affiliated partners. Listener discretion is advised. See, that wasn't so bad. No, but I did die a little inside. You are such a drama queen. I never would have had to do stuff like this if Jobs was still around. What was that? What? Oh, nothing really. I just said I never get tired of these jobs when you're around. Oh, yeah, well, thanks again. Think nothing of it. It is my pleasure. Good night, Siri. Whatever, jackass. And welcome to Frack Stars, where we talk about Battlestar Galactica, the reimagined series. So it's Ronald D. Moore's version, um, which obviously you know by now because we're on season two. So if you've just jumped in, it's a weird place to jump into. So what we're going to talk about today is season two, episode eleven, which is Resurrection Ship Part One, and season two, episode twelve, Resurrection Ship Part Two, because they kind of flow together. So. This original US air date for this was the 6th, uh, the 1st of June 2006. The UK air date was the 23rd of March 2006. And the DVD release was both in September 2006. The survivor count, according to this episode, is 49,604. And, as usual, here to help me talk about this particular episode are my two co-hosts. First of all, from across the pond, we have Drogon. Hi, Drogon. Well, howdy, folks. And from the UK, even though he's in the South, it's Steve. Hello. He's in, told you he's in the South. He talks passion, doesn't he? <laughs> For those of you who don't know, we kind of had a little break. These two had a shorter break than me, because they did the previous episode. 
but uh, we are now back in and we're up and running so we'll be pumping out episodes on a more regular basis throughout the rest of this year won't we guys absolutely we will. and that's great because we're really getting into a very excellent run of episodes here in season two yeah right, with, with maybe one. one or two exceptions <laughs> coming up <laughs> Well, considering what they did in these episodes, they spent most of the budget, I yeah. expect. So we, we um, can forgive be... them a couple of weaker episodes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's nice to see Rob Aaron survived after she joined the, um, the Marquee. <laughs> <laughs> you know where she just popped up in was uh, Mockingjay Part 2, The Hunger Games. Uh, essentially, essentially playing the same character <laughs> as she always plays, uh, but that's okay because she she's good. Michelle Forbes is very good, uh, even if she's playing the same character. I haven't seen Mockingjay Part Two. I should not spoil it then. Yeah, I've seen Part One. I haven't seen Part Two. So. Yeah, that's the same with me. Can you can you tell where they've CGI'd? Um, what's his? Oh, I can't think of his name now. Oh, the one who died from the drugs overdose. Oh, uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That's it, yeah. Can you tell the CGI uh, version? No, I, I, I couldn't tell. I actually didn't know that they did any CGI to keep him in this one. Um, but, you know, honestly, I, I couldn't tell uh, with what they did with Paul Walker in the latest Fast and Furious either. I couldn't tell. So No, the only obvious one that I've seen was uh, Oliver Reed in Gladiator. Well, that was quite a long time ago, though. We have a lot more sophisticated techniques these days. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that was that was it was blatantly wasn't him. <laughs> it wasn't even subtle, but yeah, but like these are the challenges you have to confront when you're doing a film, and the unfortunate happens. I know it's um, it's a nice legacy though because he did play his part in Gladiator really. Well, oh yeah, so, yeah. so it's a great, great legacy. Anyway, Battlestar. So we've already gone off on free tangent. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's what we do here. That's what we do, yeah. So, Resurrection Part 1, which follows on from Pegasus, as we said. So, and the, basically, in the previous episode, the, the two battle stars are basically standing toe-to-toe with the Admirals, basically playing the ultimate game of brinkmanship. Yeah, because, yeah, we left off and they're both, both crews from Pegasus and Galactica were heading towards each other. But interestingly, we don't start there in this episode. No. Uh, we start with basically the, the Blackbird. Yeah. Starbuck is taking the Blackbird and is going to actually have a closer look at the Resurrection ship uh, so that they could maybe actually get a better battle plan. I do like the way, though, that even though, I mean, it's slightly jumping ahead of the episode, but I do like the way that when she, when she comes back, um, everyone's like, Giving a different types of praise for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, I just love the bit where she suddenly thinks, "What the hell's going on?" And then everyone sees her, comes towards her, she's like, "Ah, crap!" Oh. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, you? "Let's all just we're, we're friendlies. All friendlies. We're all friendlies. We're being friendly." <laughs> yeah, I just happy to make laugh. Let's all be friends. Yeah, but. Yeah, just the part where she returns and all the Vipers from the Galactica and the Pegasus all turn towards her and just head out as once. Still, it doesn't matter how many times I've re-seen this episode, just gives me this cool sort of 
buzz and feeling going down right. the back of my spine going, yes! <laughs> <laughs> well, prior to that, it is one of my favorite sort of effects sequences in the show, which is all of the Vipers essentially dogfighting without firing a shot. Yeah, they're, they're and just dancing. I love that part. Yeah, <laughs> dancing. That's a great analogy for it, because, I mean, it's just... You know, I don't know if, if this is... Joe is, like, 100% accurate on how the physics of, of, like, space fighters would be, but I'm sure it's about closer than anything we've seen before. Hmm. Um, you know, they're sliding, they're moving side to side, they're flipping around, but still maintaining that forward momentum, and, and all of those kinds of things, and I love that. And it's one of the things that, you know, Star Wars sort of fell down on a little bit. In Star Wars, they, you know, the original Star Wars, they fly like planes in an atmosphere. Yeah. Um, because the thing is, be is they would be very, very maneuverable, you would expect, because there is no gravity, of course. So they mm-hmm. literally just spin. And especially when we saw the Viper, um, the Viper, um, the Blackbird, and the way that tried to handle and how different that was, um, you sort of, you do get a better feel with how these ships are with Valstar Galactica. And yeah, just that whole sort of, performance with them it is just so much fun and sort of you hear all the crews sort of chatting mm-hmm. going what do we do what do we do because like no one's firing because everyone's like going what the hell's <laughs> happening <laughs> and you know and it's really funny given the um you know so starbucks off somewhere and uh lee is stuck on a raptor with um what's his name the pegasus keg so yeah. basically one of the only actual pilot characters we have out there from the Galactica crew is Cat. <laughs> well, the thing that what got me... And so that's me, who they stick with in that dogfight. Yeah, well, that's what got me was the fact that through all of this, they've deployed all their Vipers. And why is it no one yet has noticed who is actually missing from that? <laughs> the one person you would expect to actually be there and Thrace mm-hmm. is, of course, not there, and it's not until she comes back. Going, Where the hell was she? <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> why are you just noticing now? <laughs> yeah, why, why, is, why is Cass the one shouting over the radio, what do we do, what do we do, what do we do? Why yeah. isn't, why it's isn't, like, sure, why surely isn't... there are higher-ranked pilots than Cat, even with Lee uh, reassigned to the Pegasus. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Cat's like barely even, you know, she was a rookie in last season. <laughs> yeah, she's just started. She's just started walking from crawling sort of thing, and now she's acting sort of yeah. cag. And but yeah, was, that's the only thing that got me out of this part here was just like, why is no one missing Starbuck at all? <laughs> I guess it's like you know, scramble, scramble, scramble. We don't have time to collect all, exactly. Make sure that everyone is out there. Mm. But the other, the other interesting thing about the, the, the pseudo dogfight is the fact that the Mark 7s in this actual situation were going up against Mark 2s and yeah. the actual, because like you said, because in space there's there's no resistance, there's no gravity, there's nothing like that so there weren't actually, apart from technology the actual maneuverability wasn't that different. But you do see the the Pegasus fighters have a little bit of an upper hand, I think. Yeah, because Kat does say that they're all over us at yeah. one point. Yeah. And you also notice when um, Starbuck comes in and you see them all from a bit of a distance away, you'll notice the different colorings more. Um, of course, all of the old Vipers are all a lot darker colored than 
sort of the brighter Mark Sevens. And the Mark the Mark Sevens are a bit of a, like a gunmetal gray, and the old ones are. Uh, yeah, they're sort of an off white, off white, dirty off white red highlights. Very dirty. That's yeah, the Galactic I'm, Universe. Everything's yeah, dirty. I'm just watching it in the background. With, um, <laughs> Me too, actually. <laughs> subtitles on. It's like, we're all friendly. It's all be friendly. <laughs> that's going to be Steve's new ringtone. <laughs> just like, that's no, um, that's no Raider. <laughs> that's that damn filthy fighter of yours. <laughs> and Lee's just like, I have no idea. I'm just sitting back here doing yeah. nothing. <laughs> But then that raises the other question, how come that the human radar can pick up the stealth fighter, but the solar radar can't? Yeah, because especially as as we found out when they tested it, they couldn't see her. And it's not, if they had some sort of transponder code being seen, then why didn't, like, when they saw the Pegasus the first time, say, oh, we're getting a signal? But, of course, it's like, how would they put it into the story if they did do that it yeah it's a bit of a weird one there because it's just like okay we can't actually say how they're going to see but unless they literally somebody said oh i see something which you wouldn't do because it's a black ship in space yeah but if you're out there and you're seeing something crossing lots of stars a bit like a black hole you know something's there because of the distortion um of the light around it and things like that so whether or not someone could see something like that um, and then all of a sudden other people do and then it's, they all turn that could be the only way that I could say they could have done it if they didn't pick them up on Dratus that's true, that's how Kirk and Sulu saw the bird of prey uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's true they saw the distortion yeah. at the start it's true so it's the only thing that I could think of of how they could possibly do it um, but that would take probably a lot more screen time. Yeah, sometimes you just have to sort of hand wave these things away so you can move on with your story. Yeah. Yeah. So moving on with the story then. Nice segue. So yeah. it's almost as, almost as if we know what we're doing. Um, <laughs> so this causes them to stand down and they have a neutral ground meeting on Colonial One. Where... Yeah, but that's because um, Starbuck. Um, after she finally gets everyone not to <laughs> shoot at her, has actually sent all the photos she's collected from her unauthorized um, recon mission. Yeah, but it's everybody, seriously good everybody starts to realize, uh, hey, we actually have a common enemy that we yeah. can probably fight them. But it puts Kane. She's just looking at these, going, "Oh my!" <laughs> so she was literally right up their ass, and they didn't notice. Uh, and she was like seriously impressed and it's just like yep we've got bigger fish to fry yeah which is where she, she earns Kang's respect hmm. so much so that she makes her a tag yeah he's like yeah he's gone so he didn't notice you were gone <laughs> he, he messed all this up so yeah <laughs> goodbye sort of thing but it was also the fact that because she respected what she'd done and wanted her as her new tag it was just like she couldn't really discipline others for disobeying orders and not her. <laughs> so it's just like, so yeah, I've sort of forgot. Well, not quite forgotten, but <laughs> I'm not going to do anything about it. Interestingly, I am just watching this out of the corner of my eye, and I'm seeing the, you know, the scenes where they're talking back and forth, uh, Adama and Kane, uh, from their, uh, 
CICs, and this, I think, is the first time we see Mr. Hoshi, the communications guy on Pegasus. He's one of those bit part characters who continues on, I think, till the end of the series. Yeah, they've always been pretty good with Battlestar Galactica reusing um, a lot of these sort of extras. It's a bit like in Stargate. Um, there are some of these small parts, but it was a reoccurring oh, yeah. person, um, like Gary Jones. Um, Major Major Davis was always my favorite. Uh, Colin Cunningham played him. Yeah. Um, so it was good that they have that, because unlike with like they, Star Trek was always a good one. So if you've had all these crew members uh, together, and it's just like, yeah, you've never seen it's, any yeah, of yeah. them before. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never see them again. Yeah. Of course, um, after sort of they've had a look at these photos, they have a meeting, but of course, neither one of Kane or Adama's going to go to the other ship, because it's just like, yeah, that's not happening. So, um, was it Kane? She says, right, we'll go to uh, Colonial One. Yeah, which was an interesting point, because, you know, whether or not Kane likes it, Roslyn is the president. Yeah. But I, th- I think Kane would quite happily declare martial law. Well, we find out later on that basically that's what happened. Because, of course, she had a fleet of 15 ships um, full of civilians. And she just basically took everything that she needed and left to go back into the fight. So she declared martial law, said, right, we're taking what we need. You're on your own good luck and disappeared yeah she essentially has no use for the civilians because they're just not anything she needs for the war effort she feels like yeah and um, we also find out she committed murder yeah but that's all later on in razor yeah well Well, um, it's into that it's into that in here because the the true it is they they take when when the two uh senior officers are having are having a drink yeah when the exos are talking yeah, he tells him that basically she she stripped the ship. Anyone who wouldn't join the ship, she ordered them to shoot the families. Yeah, and, and she also um, killed um, um, some of her own crew as well. It's hinted at um, when um, the two XOs. Are yeah, her XO. Yeah, her, yeah. her original XO. Yeah. Yeah, her original XO is um, out in the airlock. So, um, so yeah, and. You even get to identify what sort of mindset she would be in from the very start when it's um, when the crews go to meet for that first time, and Adama says, um, "I don't. I only know about her in reputation. She sort of advanced to rear admiral very quickly, um, so she is very sort of career focused. It is literally military or nothing." Um, so that was made clear um, as soon as the Pegasus comes into um, the series. Yes, which, you know, as Dragon says, we will delve into in Razor. <laughs> soon enough. Yeah, very soon. So, basically, the Gaius takes these pictures to... Um, I can't think of a name now. Was it Gina? Is it Gina, though? Is she called Gina? Um, I think this one is Gina. Yeah. Yeah, but so, I don't think we learn that. Name. I don't think we learn that till later, though. Yeah, no. yeah it's uh, Gina Indriri or something like that. <laughs> yeah, obviously, whatever, whatever we're, we're you coming said, to this works. from having seen the whole series at least once through already. So <laughs> occasionally, a few of these things blend together. Yeah, and you forget when you learn things. So, Gaius takes the pictures to Gina, who then tells him what this ship is. 
Well, for uh, now we can just call her the Pegasus number six. Yeah, the Pegasus number six. Pegasus six. As far as we know, that's all she is. Because um, we don't really learn her name until later. No, no. So Pegasus six thing tells Gaius uh, what the resurrection ship is, what it does, and what its function is. He then tags that information to um, the two respective ship commanders, and Kane goes all military and thinks we can all of a sudden make a dent that they possibly cannot recover from. Well, first, I think one of the important reasons why she wanted, she gave up that information, because when we see her, she is completely beaten, she's been raped, um, and the reason she's willing to give that information, because this resurrection ship is a big thing, um, it's basically, they're too far from... um, the Cylons home world in order to sort of be reborn so they made this resurrection ship so no matter how far they went they'd always be somewhere nearby to sort of resurrect now she had had such a rough time on the Pegasus that she literally wanted to die and she says that to Baltar she goes I want to die and he's like but you can't you'll just will be resurrected and she's like not if you destroy that and because of her experience on the pegasus and how badly she was treated that is why they get that intel because before then they didn't really know what importance that ship had apart from it was important enough to have was it two base stars and have a lot of raiders protecting yeah two base stars and a lot of raiders and basically she wants to die because she knows if she's reborn should be reborn with the memories and she doesn't want them memories yeah and then the juxtaposition that in this episode is sharon who has survived the rape and and she's fighting for her survival yeah because of course the reason for the whole sort of near dog fight with galactica and pegasus um raiders is all because tyrell and um what is his name now um you're going to say hot dog but it's not him it's um <laughs> that's it thank you um They've been um, sort of put under guard um, because they're up on charges for basically killing another officer when they grabbed him off him um, off her. Um, so, but of course, what you see in these two episodes is sort of the doc checking her out and sort of Adama apologising for what happened on his ship. Um, but it also sort of you get when it comes to talking with Pegasus crew, um, sort of people saying, look, it's a machine. You can't rape a machine. Um, so you sort of see this whole different mentality. Yeah, you do. And also you see, the, the, I mean, jumping back into this episode, when Kane goes into the south with the photos, she, she instantly starts abusing Pegasus 6. You can see there's a lot of personal baggage there right away. You don't learn about it until a lot later, but you can see it. Yeah, yeah. You, you don't know why she's like that. And of course, yeah, we do learn that. So we'll leave that until yeah. we cover um, the Razor <laughs> episodes, because that's point, a big thing, of, really. At this point, you sort of assume that it's, you know, she's just natural, normal level of hate that everybody has for the silence. But yeah. there's a lot more to it than that. Well, even when I first saw it, I did suddenly think, why such hatred? 
what had happened, thought, yeah, they don't like the Cylons. But to literally just go in there and start kicking her in the gut and face, that was something completely different. Yeah, it's... Um... I think, I mean, obviously we find out why Kane hates him, as we says in Razor, but it's interesting that Kane has this complete and utter dis- dislike for him, whereas Adama just sees him as the enemy. Hmm. Well, I suppose yeah, you don't necessarily get the sense that he hates them, do you? They're, they're, just, they're his enemy, that's his objective, he's a very sort of clinical person about it. Well, I suppose for Adama, he's had a lot longer to get used to the Cylons as an enemy, because of his experience in the first war. Yeah, which you see in Blood and Crow. Yeah, but of course, even at this moment, we all we know is that he'd fought in um, the first war. We didn't know for how long, what he did, but of course, he has experience with fighting an enemy such as the Cylons. Um, he has served for a very long time, but yet, even from these episodes, we know from that Kane is still relatively sort of young, um, especially for someone of her rank. Um, so she doesn't have that sort of experience of a Cylon enemy in a way, because she wouldn't have been able to fight in the original war. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, you just can see that there's obviously something else there. So um, yeah, it was always interesting to see where that goes. Um uh, yeah, most interesting because of course we have just sort of talked about the attacks. I think one of the things that always annoyed me with when I discussed it with friends previously is people saying that when Kane sort of she knew that she'd been beaten and raped, that why would Kane allow another woman to go through that? And I thought, well, why would it matter? She doesn't see Gina as a woman. She sees it as a Well, not just that. It's like saying, well, why would another um, commanding officer who's a man um, let another man be raped in a prison or jail or any other scenario like that? Um, why would it matter just because Cain is a female in this version of um, Battlestar Galactica? It's just like, the fact she's a woman doesn't make any difference. Um, so it's always just an interesting comment that I always found that sort of friends made um, when talking about it's just like, sorry, no Um, she's allowed it and it shows more to do with the state of mind of her and then her crew because it sort of filters down from the top um, that they don't see these humanoid Cylons as anything at all they think so little of them and, uh, yeah, the fact yeah. that she's a woman, I'm sorry, to me, just makes no difference at all. But Yeah. Well, we don't want to get in this context, with, all the, yeah. with, with the right bit, so, you know. Because <laughs> a lot of people do find it an uncomfortable subject, so, you know, let's let's move on. Um, I do think that it's interesting, um, basically, what would essentially be the B-plus in this, is Roslyn, when she makes the comment that she wouldn't mind waking up in a blonde body. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because obviously, you know, the Galactic crew is more versed with the with the Cylons and the download and, and all that type of stuff because they've been they've been doing more research, whereas the Pegasus crew seems to just engage in blow them out of the sky tactics. Yeah, well, I suppose also with that comment, 
this is because Rosalind's thinking about death, because we also get the scene with Doc Pole, where she's saying, well, how long do I have left? Um, can I still do my job? So she's thinking of death at this point. She knows it's very likely she's not going to be around much longer. So that's where that comment saying, I would mind waking up as a blonde, because she's thinking of her dying and what happens at that point. And also an opportunity for a little more flirting with her and Adama. Well, this is where we first really start to see that this is them mm-hmm. really getting along. And this is where, of course, Rosalind has spoken and seen Kane, and she can see that there are going to be problems if Kane is kept in command, um, based on the way that she so easily just says, right, death penalty to um, two officers because of what's happened with um, sort of Halo and the Chief. And it's just, yeah, she can see that with all the challenges that were made with Adama and Kane, um, basically going against each other before um, Grace came back in, that she's not going to leave it alone, that either he does something about her or she'll do something about him. Well, they both end up doing something about each other. Yeah, there's this whole planning thing throughout the two episodes. Um, with... but, but how great is it, just pausing for a moment, in this scene, how great is it that it's Rosalind who says first, you've got to kill her? Yeah. Absolutely yeah, and Adama turns around to her and says, when did you get some blood first? Yeah. yeah, but this is where you see Rosalind as someone who really does sort of look at everything that's happening and she can just even from just a short time and because you see these little clips of her interacting with other politicians in sort of previous episodes and even future ones she very quickly and easily identifies what people are like which has been one of her strengths throughout the show she sort of sizes people up quite easily and uh, she's able to talk to the right people to get things done um but yeah it was very interesting that it was her that sort of said that and i like Adama's reaction to it. So, which moves us neatly into part two, where we open up with um, Lee basically floating in water for some reason that we don't know yet. Yeah, that that was a bit of a strange one. Now, fortunately mm-hmm. for the UK, when they said we got it on the same night, whereas the US they'd got a week um, to wait to see part two. So, sure, <laughs> they must have solved. Sort of... That's a that's a struggle when it's a three parter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we of course, before we got even to part one, because that was the end of Pegasus was the mid-season finale. It was, yeah. So, of course, you, and, you know, it, you expect a cliffhanger and that's fine. But, you know, that was one hell of a cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, it was one hell of a cliffhanger. But you, you almost expect things to be resolved when they come back instead yeah. of. A two-parter. Uh, a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> um, so having to wait a whole other week. So, of course, I think for maybe the Americans, it was just like you start off and Lee's in water. And I'm sure people must have thought, that's not where we left off. Have I missed a week? <laughs> well, I mean, I watched I, I just assumed week. it was something stylistic that they were doing. Because yeah. there's no way they're, they're on a planet suddenly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I watched, I mean, obviously, you know, with the benefit, I watched this when I first watched it. I watched the box set, so I could watch them back to back. But even saying that, when I watch this one, obviously, which is the next one on the beast, I'm thinking, 
Is this the right episode? You know, if they loaded them onto the disc properly or something. Why? Why is? Where did he get to the planet from? Why is he floating in water? <laughs> you know. Yeah. But then, but there as is you a find out, it's a metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Because really, he's floating in space. Exactly. Well, he's also sort of hallucinating as well. Yeah, because he's he's got hypoxia. Yeah, because we figure out as the episode goes on that um, after the attack, because this whole attack is all broken up with all the drama that's happening on the ships, and as well as all the planning for for it all. And what we learn is it was because Thrace has been made... How about to be made the CAG of the Pegasus? She plans the mission, so of course she stays behind um, to sort of like direct it all. So, yeah, the start of the show on the attack mission is, is Apollo. Yeah, so he takes the Blackbird out to kill the um, the FTL drive of well, the ship, but as he comes out just, from that. Let's just jump back a bit first before we go into that. Yet again, they're using the civilians as bait. <laughs> You know, these civilians must be thinking, aren't you supposed to protect us instead of dangling us on the end of a stick all the time? Well, we know it was one of their ships. They, I'd expect them to have at least or transferred them to another ship at sort of that point. You hope so. Well, we we found that out when it came past to... Kane, leaving them on there. But when they went to that mining colony um, of the Cylons, the, what they put out there was base and we know that they actually moved them across to another ship so we know they did it before so i'd expect them to have done it again not like and especially as this took a lot of planning it's not going to be ah screw it we'll just put all those civilians in harm's way <laughs> yeah time would quite actually put all them civilians in harm's way <laughs> yeah she probably would have stuck the entire fleet yeah they'll be fine Saves me a job. <laughs> just let them transfer anything that we find useful over just in case yeah. first. So the plan is the civilian ships are look like they're engaged in minor operations. Then the base stars take the base, <clears throat> launch their ships at the mining ships, while Apollo sneaks in and takes out the FTL drive on the resurrection ship, while Pegasus and Galactus take on the Asylum base stars, and then Everyone swings around and attacks everyone else at the end of it, as long as it all goes according to plan. Which is according to plan. <laughs> yeah. Which it does. Yeah. Apart from this one of one of the few times, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so. while all this is going on, though, we have D-Pot, which is Carl Agathon and Terrell, who are getting up close and friendly with a bar of soap. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, this is interesting because... Um, I, I follow Aaron Douglas, who plays Chief Girl, on Twitter, and he, uh, this past week, because it aired uh, on January 13th, so he posted uh, something that says, screen caps from 10 years ago, and he says this is one of his favorite scenes. Did he say why? One of his favorite Chief moments, because it's that, that bit where he goes up to the glass and says, I can't hear you, you're going to have to come in here. I'm <laughs> just challenging those guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, be careful what you wish for. And then sort of exactly. like the two marines with sort of rifles come in. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I didn't mean with them. <laughs> but no. it's, I mean, you, you also get an inkling here because of what the colonel does, that he's starting to question his own future on Pegasus. Yeah. He's starting to question question the atmosphere 
that has been created among the crew by Lieutenant Thorne, by the Admiral, and, and everybody is starting to question, you know, maybe this is not really a good way to be. On the second um, rewatch, um, when I looked at it, I actually thought, hmm, well, maybe, because if he thinks that Kane's going to get rid of Adama, maybe he's thinking that he can take control of Galactica. So, making sure that he's not hated by the entire crew of the Galactica would be a good thing. <laughs> so, I thought that might be why he sort of did that more. If you sort of understand what I'm talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I do. He's, he's trying to play politics a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just like, it was a bit of a strange thing in a way for him to do. It's just like, look, they're officers. Um, colonial officers. And you just sort of beat them. Um, sort of, which is, and he sort of says, and you know what assaulting an officer carries around here. And sort of they're like, oh, crap. So that moves on, as we said, the attack's going on while that's going on. And while that's going on, Adama is seeking advice from the person you would least likely expect him to go for advice, which is Sharon. And you have this wonderful thing where a Cylon is advising a human and basically turns his humanity on himself. Well, with everything that's happening, because of course... They're looking to sort of basically have an option of a way to finally kill properly the Cylons. So he's, of course, thinking about everything and he's got lots of questions. So, of course, the the big question always is, why? Um, Why do you hate her so much? But it was just the fact that she sort of turns it around. Says, well, remember that speech you had you gave when Galactica was being decommissioned where you didn't say the speech that I th- it seemed that you originally were going to and you asked the question are we really the people to be given that sort of the right to sort of be and to sort of exist and and he sort of like leaves it there it's like is it the human race who should live in a way which has always been sort of a big thing the whole way through really it, and it continues on because sort of we've always known that the silence have always thought look why do they exist and we know from all the experiments that they were doing with Hilo um, back on Caprica and things like that sort of seeing how they act why they react or what is it that makes them so deserving to have life and it's been a question that's been raised a lot by the Cylons, but you really see it a lot more here from a human perspective. Well, that that runs through with the religious narrative, yeah, as well. I mean, which I mean, we know six is um, one of a better way of putting it uh, of the Christian flavour, whereas uh, most, yeah, whereas most of the humans are. Um, Following the, the Greek Poly, gods. Polytheistic. Polytheistic, yeah. Well done, Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> remembering, remembering back to my uh, high school mythology classes. See, you knew they'd come in handy one day. Sure, yeah. 
One day I'll be doing a Battlestar Galactica podcast and this will come in really handy. I'll need to know these terms. <laughs> but it does it does follow through on that with the religious aspect of who who is deserving of existence, basically. Yeah. Which also feeds into what we missed, uh, which is in terms of existence, is Caprica Six and Voltar and Pegasus Six. Because Caprica Six only exists in Baltar's head. Yeah, and she's slightly jealous of Pegasus Six because she's there in yeah. front of him. Yeah, and there's also that sort of story that she tells him about um, going to one of the sports games, always with a ticket. And he suddenly sort of, later on in the episode, uses it against her and repeats oh, that to Pegasus oh, Six. she is jealous. And she's like, <laughs> don't, don't do that. And it's the first time that you see that she doesn't know everything and that she's not properly connected to the other sixes because otherwise, about all the shared memories, why would that six not have known? But I did suddenly think, Mm -hmm. well, okay, she was obviously during the attack, she was actually on Pegasus. So maybe he didn't know everything that six had done. Is, um, well, we, don't we know really why know Caprica it. Six doesn't know everything, but we don't find out why Caprica Six knows things different to the other Sixes until yeah. way later in the series. Yeah, so so that's like yeah, you know, that's <laughs> so, like two or three. What was it? It's like last one season where we start putting it all together yeah. with her. So, so you sort of see that and you think, ah, so maybe they're not all connected properly. Or hang on. Um, is he um, so you think you've got it and you think ah so it's not and then you think oh but is it and it's like damn it <laughs> um, it was just it's all very well done because you think you know the answer and then if you really think about it it's just like nope I've still got lots of questions yeah and I'd like to at this precise moment in time for a hands out to the um, costume department who seem to find unbelievable ways of making guys and six just about covered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just so. like wardrobe department coming. Okay, so what have we got to do today? Um, um, and so <laughs> they're like, um, well, nothing. We need to find a the tiniest possible thing to drape over part of uh, some very attractive people. So I, yeah. I'm sure you hate your job. Yeah. Just like, Oh no, go have a tea break. We're just using a bed sheet today. <laughs> <laughs> and a towel. And a towel. Yeah. Like, Gaius just... had a towel. <laughs> it's just like, okay, yeah, we'll go take a break. <laughs> uh, it is, I mean, I, I have read uh, stuff about these two off screen. It's just as well that in real life they got on really well. <laughs> yeah. They so have to. The scene. Yeah, because yeah, they had to. Yeah, they had no choice. <laughs> Yeah, because you hear sometimes in a lot of productions where people who look so close in the production really just hate each other's guts sort of thing. And it's just like, wow, that really didn't show in the sort of Well, yeah, I mean, you take X-Files, Julian Anderson and David Cotney at the end couldn't stand each other. Yeah, they, ha- they had some bad times near the end. Um, they and, they and, seem and they... to have gotten over it now. Yeah, I mean, they've done loads of interviews and that to, to publicise a new series and um, Julian Anderson has actually said that they've sorted everything out and they are mates again now. It was just, it was just at the time. You're yeah. that closely with somebody for that many years, and sometimes, you know, 
Well, yeah, it's not bad. Never falling out, you know. You get a lot of bands because living in each other's pocket. I mean, you're you're filming a TV series with each other. You're living together basically for six months of the year. Yeah, so for six to nine months, they're sort of together, and especially with a program like X Files, where literally the main characters throughout everything is just two people. It's not like most shows these days, which have a main cast of sort of anywhere between six and twelve people. Um, so it's not even yeah, you like know, on, on, get, on Game of Thrones, there are actors who have probably never met each other. Yeah. Um, oh, we haven't seen Game of Thrones. Well, it's the same with Lost. There are so many main characters and plot lines. I'm sure it was in some respects. Yeah, I'll go there some Lost that, <laughs> There are just so many um, people there that, yeah, if you didn't get along with one person, then it wouldn't have been an issue. But with something like X-Files, where you've literally just got the two people, they're there's just no getting away from each other. So yeah. I, I can see I can't watch how... Game of Thrones because it's on Sky over here, as Steve knows, and I haven't got Sky, so I can't watch it. <laughs> so, and, and, and as for Lost, I, I couldn't get into Lost. And, and when you see interviews with the writers on Lost, they literally say, we don't know what we're doing. I'm thinking, yeah, that's why I couldn't get into it then. Oh, I, I love Lost. Um, I, yeah. I, um... But that's the sort of thing that I like. I like. I like the sort of thing. Did you so, like the ending then? It was different. Okay. I didn't hate. I didn't hate it. Um, I thought they probably could have come up with something different, but I couldn't think of anything better, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It was definitely different, um, which was nice in its own way. Well, but, I, as I said, I stopped watching it. So, but. but comments I've read from people or, or and people I've, I've spoke to at work and that who were massive Lost fans were seriously disappointed with the ending. They did try to tell me the ending and I said, yeah, there's not really much point to tell me the ending because I haven't watched it since season two. So none of but it's in, relevant. But in a way, I put the ending of Lost on a similar sort of track to the ending of Battlestar Galactica. No, that makes, uh, Battlestar Galactica makes sense to me. <laughs> But anyway, that's way, way in the future. Getting back to this one. Yes. So, Adama's floating in space with a hole in his suit. Uh, unfortunately, you can't find a Borg, so he can't tie it off. <laughs> Never a Borg arm when you need one. Um, and the, again, another um, liaison, which is uh, Dula trying to raise him on the comms. Frantic Club trying to raise him on the comms. Yeah. Because well, one... she cares about it. Well, one thing um, also before, um, when we're sort of going through, because we sort of discussed about how sort of the special missions to take out sort of Adama and the special mission to take out Kane are sort of started. Yeah, and... it's really, 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 really crap passwords. Yeah. Um, but the bit that I really liked was as things are starting to kick off, as you see, because of course we get clips of the big space battle in between all the drama as it's going backwards and forwards in the sort of time. Um, yeah, which refers you... to what we said earlier about blowing the entire season's budget into episode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the bit that I liked was when you see everyone preparing to sort of go into this battle and you get Starbuck heading down the corridor on Pegasus and passing her was and was it half a dozen marines and the XO of Pegasus and sort of he goes 
good hunting and she's like yeah you too and it's just like just that whole phrase because of course both given their separate missions to take out <laughs> um, Adama and Kane <laughs> it's just like oh yes um, it's just <laughs> a great phrase good hunting <laughs> and you wonder if they didn't have an inkling that they were both uh, essentially about to do the same thing yeah but it, it's just the sort of sort of Starbuck looks at them coming down the corridor and sort of it's, she sort of hesitates before she starts walking down and yeah, it's just that you do, as you said, you sort of you wonder if they suddenly think, yeah, you're going to do that, but I've got my mission. <laughs> and then, of course, because um, of course, straight after that, that's when it goes to Galactica with the two XOs talking, and it's just like, yeah, sorry, the Admiral doesn't trust um, sort of our marines under your command and it's just like well just make sure your marines and our marines know who's doing what because the last thing we want is um clearly all shooting at each other <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know he says amen to that it's sort of another inkling that um you know this guy doesn't he doesn't yeah. really like what's going on here yeah this he just think this doesn't want that to happen yeah. at all um it, it's just such a classic line based on the storyline. It's just like, yeah, just sort of a star to the writers for those little parts. But you always wonder, you know, how many uh, little responses like that, you know, said sort of half under the breath. You wonder if that was something they came up with on the day or if it was written. Yeah, because sometimes you get... Um, actors who will actually add things into the script and depending on your director and that they'll give them some extra leeway and so you've got to sort of wonder how these things sometimes get brought into it all yeah ad-libbing is uh, always good so anyway going back to the story Lee realises he's not going to survive and says goodbye to Kara in his own little way um, but right Track comes to the rescue in the blackness of space, he finds the lone Apollo and brings him on board his raptor. I also like the way that's happening because Ad- Leah Dharma sort of says, I'm sorry, and he's sort of goodbye. Cause, and then all of a sudden, like he's heading into the light, you just see this big light come out, sort of thing, um, right in front of him while he's in space. So I, I thought that was a good sort of thing to put in. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel or he's seeing the light sort of thing it has many sort of connotations of what it could be interpreted as um, so uh, yeah I thought that was quite interesting uh, the final roll of the dice as we know is what we've hinted at earlier which is Dias being transferring his feelings to Pegasus 6 because she's tangible and real uh, yeah. and basically helping her escape from the cell and giving her a gun yeah, she she wants him to kill her because suicide is a sin, and he just can't, of course, because he's Baltar. <laughs> yeah, and because he loves her. Yeah, so he yeah. gives her the gun back, mm-hmm. and essentially, without saying it outright, sets her on the path to revenge against guess who? Yeah, he he tells her she needs justice. After he's just watched her snap at Marine's neck. But he tells her he needs justice, uh, planting a seed, and then she marches into Kane's office um, 
and basically confronts her with what's happened to her, like, you know, can you roll over and 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 stuff like that. Um, and we see that we sniff all the bravado and everything else because, you know, Kane, the tears are welling up in her eyes because she knows she's going to die. And then she does get justice because yes, the bullet fires. Well, the gun fires, not the bullet, because the bullets don't fire. The gun fires. <laughs> the gun fires well, the bullet. She fires the gun <laughs> that fires the bullet. <laughs> yeah. I did say I haven't eaten yet. <laughs> As they say, people fire guns. Not not. It's not the guns that do the damage, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Um, and then we have. What is essentially a coming together of all the teams in a funeral. Yeah. Now, we, we skipped over one one important piece, though, which is both Adama and Kane deciding not to assassinate each other. That's oh, God, right. yeah. Which I, I, at the time, felt like almost a little bit cheated. Like, I wanted to see one of them go through with it. Yeah. I also forgot to mention that. And I expected noticed, one of them to go through it. <laughs> yeah. I also forgot to mention that I noticed Adama told Starbuck to shoot her in the head. No, because he wanted to make sure she went down, basically. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, of course, he, he, he survived a shot, two shots to the chest. <laughs> yeah, and I think he wanted to make sure that didn't happen with King. Because there's also that part where he, before he speaks to um, Starbuck about the mission, that he's staring at himself in a mirror with his huge scars down his stomach and chest from the operation. So. That's probably why he is just like, yeah, we want to make sure she's dead. Go for the head. <laughs> but yeah, because of course, um, the first person, to, it was Adama that said he wanted to speak to Starbuck. But it made me think maybe she'd been expecting something to happen. This is Kane. But when M. Starbuck passed the communications device back to Kane um, afterwards and she'd obviously seen that Adama is standing down. Whether or not that played into any decision on her part not to take it further. Because well, if, if Adama had gone through with it, she wouldn't be able to say anything because she'd have been dead. No, <laughs> but she may have had people on standby ready to act if she did. Oh, Starbuck wouldn't have got out of that room. Probably. No, no. Yeah. She, so, um, she would probably been even to, shot by somebody else. Yeah, maybe she had got some people in there saying, look, when this happens, be ready. So, whether or not Starbuck would have actually been able to fulfil her mission, um, he'd probably been expecting something to happen and was prepared for it. So, well, we know in, we know Starbuck had admiration for her because of what she said at the funeral. Yeah, um, but it's just whether or not Payne had thought he might try and do something. But when she didn't. And after she'd spent, um, Starbuck had talked to Adama, which was why when she um, came, went to talk to Fisk, there's this sort of hesitation before she speaks while she's making up her mind. I'm wondering if the fact that Adama hadn't acted actually made her think, I'm not going to. And then at that last minute, he decides, no, don't. And she doesn't give the... Um, code to Fisk to actually carry out his orders. Yeah, and then you've got the funeral scene where where Kara says that the fleet would have been better off with her and without her, which raises a, a, a wry stare from Adama. Yeah. Uh, and then we have um, Apollo saying that he didn't want to survive 
which I took as the fact that he didn't want to survive because he thought that he was going to survive to basically an assassination. And he didn't want to be a part of that because it's his dad. Yeah. Uh, the other thing that happens is Pegasus 6 gets away um, and Adama gets promoted to Admiral. Mm-hmm. Which they manage to find raw materials, melt it down, and um, um, get what the process is called of, um, in order to make the pips. There's a little comment. Oh, it took us a um, took us a bit of time to sort of find the mm-hmm. um, materials for it. I mean, well, <laughs> which is funny because I mean, I, I suppose that's better than saying, "Oh yeah, we uh, nicked them out of Kane's locker." Oh, huh. <laughs> they're yeah, short we'll materials. Yeah, we're 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 already you know stealing things from a dead woman. So I, I suppose probably we had these made sound better than that. Well, they, they would be doing that anyway. If somebody dies, they're going to reissue kit because it's sure. not like they have the resources to make stuff. Yeah, but they could have just took the pips off her colour. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that we haven't really talked about is the actual space battles themselves. Um, Which were cool looking. I, I My only wish for the episode was that it, we could see sort of more of it, a little bit more straightforward. Yeah, because it, it was sort of little bits and bobs here and there. Mm-hmm. And it's just the one thing that got me is just like, okay, the ships are actually quite close to each other when it comes to the Cylon base stars and um, the Pegasus and that. And you see, they we um, say we fire a missile, the Galactic and Pegasus fire a missile and literally huge explosions on the base star, whereas a big explosion on the outer pole of the Galactica or Pegasus and it's all just there and it's just like, okay, these ships are supposed to be on par with each other but the amount of damage that gets taken by them you think would have been a lot more severe. Well, you you assume, I think, that Starbucks' plan worked and the Colonials had the upper hand, I guess. But then their machines, the response time for them to prepare couldn't be actually as much as Galactica and Pegasus. So I wouldn't have expected that much lead time. Um, and yeah, just you can see this has been obviously going on for a few minutes with everything that's happening. Uh, I would have expected a lot more damage to the ships, to be honest. You've got to remember there's a, there's a fundamental difference between a base star and a battle star. A base star uses missiles to attack, whereas a battle star uses to all intents and purposes, guns. Yeah, they, they used um, both types of weapons. They use um, heavy artillery um, cannons sort of thing to yeah. fire. Whereas um, a base star only uses missiles. So you've, it's a different it's a different attack. So you, you can have, once you put the guns on automatic, they can just like fire constantly while you're sending missiles. Whereas a base star has to target launch missiles and then reload the missiles and then target launching missiles. So there is, a, there is even for a machine, it's going to be a slight delay. True. Uh, you, can get, you can catch them off guard. I think it's harder than it would yeah. be with humans, but you can, I think, catch them off guard. The other bit that I did like was... Um, of course, remember it, that the machines are using Microsoft. Um, I also like the resur- res- resurrection ship, because once the base stars are taken care of, all the um, Vipers have the task of basically destroying... Um, 
the resurrection ship. So they all literally yeah. um, turn and drift um, sideways and literally just start firing into because, strangely enough, this resurrection pyramid ship is all made of glass. <laughs> Which sort of is just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> Considering they have no shields or anything else like that, and you're, you're thinking, okay, space, a big place, lots of dust and rocks and everything else. Why make it of glass? <laughs> they, they must have some kind of uh, deflector system like the... Uh... Like you get on Star Trek, where they have essentially a field that repels all the little and and big space objects. Dust well, no, and nothing, and nothing like that is ever mentioned about. So I think it's more no. to do with the, the like of our spacecraft satellites, like um, the satellite that went out to Pluto. Um, basically, they put the forward shield and um, the forward dish in front of it, so that took any brunt of any small rocks and things like that in space so it wouldn't actually penetrate the main device so i think the holes are thick enough for a base star and for a battle star but then that's what i'm saying about the entire sort of um resurrection ship why make it of glass of course that was purely because well how else would you know what the hell it is with a flyby um but, yeah, but it could have been. It, I mean, it's not necessarily to say it was like glass as we think of glass. I mean, the International Space Station's got like you know viewing ports, but it's not standard glass. Yeah, but yeah. still, if it's strong enough to withstand sort of small um, micrometeors, wouldn't it be thick enough to put up to or to stand up to gunfire from a Viper? If that was no. the case. So uh, I sort of thought, mm. but no, it was a nice looking ship and the explosion was really good. Yeah. We also don't know what, I mean, we know they shoot a type of uh, projectile from the guns on the Viper. We don't know what the projectile is. I mean, if it's like, if it's depleted uranium or whatever, then yeah, it probably would go through it. I'm just saying like that, there'd be health risks to pilots and other staff with... Uh, yeah, yeah, but I'm on about if I mean you know we we have tanks that fire depleted uranium shells, you know. So obviously in, in the technology where you're you've got to have a bullet in the gun that can go through the armor of a Cylon ship. So if you can go through the armor of a Cylon ship, then it even reinforced glass, you know, or transparent. It might have been transparent aluminium. It might have got the thing off that bloke. And... <laughs> yeah, uh, depleted uranium is not nearly as toxic as okay. um, here's the undepleted type but it, you know it is potentially harmful but it can be handled safely okay. I, I don't know that off the top of my head I am googling as we speak no, no you broke the fourth wall then <laughs> <laughs> the only other thing that got me is why was it only um, six that we ever saw and even when it exploded it was only six that were like little Barbie dolls being thrown out of a window, sort of thing. Well, I, I took that. I took that as like uh, tying into the two sixes that we was already dealing with. Possibly. Because the point was she didn't want to be reborn, so I took that as tying all that in. Yeah, but it would be nice to see some of the others. Um, yeah, I mean it, they could have put a Sharon in there or somewhere. Yeah, what would have been nice is if. They had that time cast some of the other silence that we didn't yet know about that 
had them just, even if it was just a little bit blurry sort of scene. But I don't know how far in advance that they started looking for casting for these other characters at this point. But well, they already had, they already had the eights cast. There, there's yeah. only a couple that we haven't met yet of the yeah original. Well. There are 12 models, and then there's the final five, which we actually don't know about yet. Yeah, um, no spoilers. Uh, <laughs> uh, every, everybody, all your math majors, what is 12 minus 5? <laughs> 7. Come on, 7, there we go. <laughs> we said math, Mike, that's why I went quiet. <laughs> <laughs> so, so of the 7, I mean, we know, uh, obviously, 6... We know Sharon is the eight. Uh, that's two of them. We know Leoben from the miniseries and, and a couple of season one episodes is a third one. Uh, we know the wasn't he a five? nerdy the nerdy looking guy. I can't remember his name. Doral. So that's four of them that we know. Yeah. So we at this point in the series. So we got a six and eight. I think one was I a forget five. The numbers. The other. Yeah, I think one was a five. I think Doral was a five. So yeah. Oh, and there there's the doctor. Uh, from the planet who was revealed to be a Cylon that in the farm. Yes, yes, that's true. That's another one. So that's five out of seven that we know yeah. at this point in the series. Um, so and, and didn't... Well, let's see. So I think there's two left to be introduced. Yes. Of course, you never know, I mean, uh, how these things get written. So at this point in the series, they may not have even thought of the whole final five deal. Yeah, I'm just quickly looking up on the Battlestar wiki. Yeah, number two is Leoben. Um, we know of number three, um, which is um, Deanna, because of um, what well, the episode is called now. Um, the press oh, one. right. Yeah. So um, Final cut. There are six. Um, Who's five? Five. That is Doral. Yeah, so I got that right. Um, trying to think at this point. Yeah, we haven't met number four yet. That'll be in another couple of episodes. Yeah, that's towards the end of season two here. That he's yeah. And, so, and he's actually the last one of the non-final five that yeah, we have yet to meet. Because he, he, he's um, the last of the um, significant eight, as it's uh, they're dubbed on the wiki. Significant <laughs> <laughs> eight. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, because, because actually we learn later there are technically 13 yeah. Miles instead of 12. Yeah. We learned that much, much way, 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 <laughs> yeah. way, 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 way. And of course, we all know number six. Um, uh, do we? Do we? <laughs> Doesn't ring a bell. So, number seven, um, we learn of much later. Uh, I, have to, I have to admit, when I first, when I watched this the first time, I did actually think Boltar, during season one, I thought Boltar was one. Yeah, well, me, I thought that as well. But I think, for me, that's because I'd watched the original one um, series from the 70s, where um, Boltar there was actually, actually joined the Cylons and actually headed up, um, basically, the chase of Galactica um, to destroy them. So that's Show your eyes now. <laughs> well, I watched the repeats of them, I should say. Yeah, yeah, we'll believe you. I wasn't born to the 80s. Of course you are. Um, no. And then, sort of, as we said, number eight um, is, of course, Sharon. So, um, and then, of course, we've got the final five. 
that we will get into that in a couple of series. Yes. So next up is next up Epiphanies. Epiphanies, yeah. Epiphanies, yes. Epiphanies. So that's next up. So that's the next episode we'll be doing, folks. Um and somewhere in season two we will feed Razor in. So don't worry, we haven't forgot about Razor. Yeah. So where right can after, people find right you on the, the internet, hand, then, guys? Yeah, yeah. But where can people find you on the internet? Yeah. People can find me uh, on Twitter. My uh, handle is at Drogon, D-R-O-G-Y-N, 1701. I do miss the antlers, by the way, off your helmet now. Well, it's not <laughs> Christmas season anymore, is it? I know, but it's it good. <laughs> people can find me at Midnight Shadow 7. That's night spelt N-I-T-E and the number 7. Yeah. And on every podcast known to mankind. <laughs> Not quite. Just a few of them. No. Yeah. Uh, and as obviously folks, you know where you can get this podcast because you're listening to it. But if you could go over to the Hollow Sweet Media website uh, and have a perusal of the other podcasts over there, I'm sure the guys on the other podcasts and girls on the other podcasts would greatly appreciate it. One or two of which Steve may or may not be on. You know? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, but there's the variety of podcasts over there, Star Trek Online and Star Wars and various other incarnations. So pop up to Hollowsweet Media, have a look around. There's articles on there as well. So there's the stuff to read as well as stuff to listen to. In fact, you can read some of the stuff while you listen to the podcasts. Um, and these two are on other podcasts as well. So, you know, go and have a listen. Go and check Hollis with me today. If you listen to us on iTunes, it'd be really great if you could leave us a review. Because the more reviews we get, then the more we show up on the searches in iTunes, which obviously means we get more listeners. Uh, and if you listen to us on any other genre, then you know, any reviews, gratefully received. And if you want to tweet us, then please feel free to tweet us. Um, we always like feedback. Uh, and if you really, really like it, we'll read it out. Obviously, if you're having a go with us, then we probably won't. <laughs> we'll still read it out, actually. <laughs> but, but no, we'd like to hear what you think. If there's an episode that you really like or dislike and you want to comment on, or even just a particular character, um, send those comments through to us. And what we'll do is we'll read them out on the relevant episode. Yeah, because we're always up the character profile episode because we've done Starbook. Yeah. There you go. So, thanks for listening, folks. Thanks for downloads, and um, we'll see you in two weeks' time for uh, Epiphanies. Well, we'll hopefully we will have one. <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everyone. End of mine. <laughs>